Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Listen, one thing I have a problem with is a victim mentality, and it's not all about you. If a victim is, mentality? Yes. Bitch, is, I will fucking, I've been through so much, and all, I don't, don't even, call me bitch. I'll call you bitch. You are a bitch, and you've been a bitch. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the deal. Now we're gonna really talk about it, because you're really pissing it. me off. I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna tell you, and you're not gonna tell me what I am and what I'm not gonna say. Wow. I like to see the the real you. It's fun. Oh, Nicole, out. I'll give you you give me this energy, I'll give you this all I'm day not back. Giving, I'm giving you respectful energy. And the thing is, is like, don't go on about the real me. You don't fucking know me, okay? Clearly. Yeah. And nor do you. We're not friends. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, our pop culture roundup and possibly Real Housewives, possibly Selling Sunset recap. Probably going to do both. Here's the thing. Your girl's not great at planning. I'm in the middle of watching uh, Selling Sunset currently and I'll probably finish enough to want to talk about it. And then there's Atlanta coming up. It's Sunday as... I'm recording this. And so, you know, that's just where we are. Loosey-goosey. Everything is very tentative and subject to change. I might not talk about either of them, frankly. We'll see. That's the fun of, you know, me being like the manic pixie dream girl of the podcasting world. Like, you just never know what you're going to get. Usually you're going to be disappointed. So... (laughs) Let's get on to the things that I have to talk about. Um, Oh, man. If you guys have been with me from, like, maybe literally day one, possibly even, like, episodes, I I would say episodes one through three, you will know that I've been following a story, the story of Natalia Grace Barnett, for 
ever. I am obsessed with it. It is such a bizarre tale. And shout out to Discover or the ID channel. Um, they are going to be releasing a three-part docu-series beginning Monday, May 29th. And I am so very excited. I'm going to give you guys a little background into why this story is intriguing. Maybe you've heard of it. So back in 2010, a couple... Michael and Christine Barnett adopt a little girl named Natalia. They believe her to be a Ukrainian child. This is a last minute adoption that happens. They think she's six years old and they're like, yeah, we'll take the kid, right? But then things take a turn, according to them, allegedly. They claim that Natalia is not actually a child, but an adult, like a 22-year-old uh, who has dwarfism, a an adult who has been terrorizing their family, threatening to kill the mama and the kids, stab, um, poisoning the mother, things of that nature. And so what happened is the family was like, uh, bye, bitch, and then fucked off to, uh, to Canada, leaving this person by themselves and so people figured out like why is this seemingly child left left alone with no devices and so this kicked up this whole court case in which the barnets are claiming no this is like a fully grown adult uh they have to involve her biological mother go watch the trailer there are actually two of them i posted them on my instagram at everyone's business but mine but uh there's also another one i'm sure they're on youtube wow 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 wow. i i just feel so blessed and so lucky We've been in a, a bit of a, a lull, or I have a little bit, uh, at least with documentaries. And this one looks to really bring it because this involves the Barnetts who ended up during this whole debacle getting divorced. And so they've got their own issues going on. And Michael, according to this trailer, looks to be quite the character. At one point, he's doing a whole uh, round of fisticuffs with the floor. So check that out. We'll definitely be talking about it. And I can't wait. There's another documentary that I have like been waiting for, but I didn't think that it would ever happen. And it's going to happen. Amazon Prime just announced that on June 2nd, they're going to be releasing a documentary called Shiny Happy People about the Duggar family. Woo! We have interviews from Jill. Uh, she's not the oldest daughter. Uh, one of the oldest daughters and her husband, who have kind of effectively defected from the family. They're still Christian, but it's like they're just not really. It looks like the documentary might center more on their faith that they practice with the IBLP and Bill Gothard, who was the head of it, and how like limiting, misogynistic, horrible, keep sweet, light and bright, terrible to women, that sort of thing, uh, push these like sweet values and then let's get these bigots in the in the you know, politics, right? That seems to be more of the thing, but it looks like they're also going to be heavily using the Duggars as their, like, prime example of the evils that go on in the IBLP faith, religion, doctrine, whatever you want to call it. So very excited about that. 
Kind of. There are also other members of the Duggar family. If you guys watch the show, there was a cousin named Amy um, who has, like, really been outspoken since Josh's arrest and imprisonment for being nasty. Um, And, yeah, I'm just, you know, I kind of feel like if we're going to do it, let's do it right. Like, if we're going to talk about the Duggars, let's fucking mention it all. And so, Jill, if you're going to put this mic pack on... I'm going to need you to talk about a lot of things, not just how the faith affected your family. I want you to talk about your daddy. I want you to talk about that curly haired mother of yours. I want to talk about the uh, long skirts that you were forced to wear. I want to talk about the tater tot casserole. I want to talk about the TLC cameras. I want to talk about it all. So like I, I'm tentatively excited. I will say that. Speaking of documentaries, I am a, I'll just say it, docu-slut, okay? I talk about them all the time. They're one of my greatest interests. And if you are interested in documentaries like I am, especially ones that have to do with pop culture, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash EBBM podcast. Now, I will issue a disclaimer. (laughs) You're going to go to that Patreon, and I've said this before. You're going to go to that Patreon and say, bitch, There's nothing on here. But here's the thing. I upload my Patreon episodes through Acast. And so they don't cross post on my actual Patreon page. So you're going to be like, girl, there's not a post here since like maybe 2021 or something. Not true. Every week you get a new episode. Last week I spoke about uh, the Hulu documentary Queen Maker, Making of an It Girl with my friend Jay Raina. I have been talking about Nicole Richie. It's been like, I, I've been in an era of It Girls, if you will. Uh, the next episode is going to be about the Anna Nicole Smith Netflix documentary. And I'm going to be talking to my friend Anastasia about the uh, the upcoming uh, Bama Rush documentary. And so, yeah, you can find all of those at patreon.com slash EBBM podcast. And if you watch that Queen Maker documentary and you want to know more, uh, like real juice about what happened with Tinsley Mortimer and her life and her backstory, I did a whole fucking series on her and her life and the, uh, controversies and all of the things that led up to her being on the Real Housewives of New York. So check it out. I do like not to pat myself on the back, really good research on people. And I, you know, there, there's good shit back there, I will say, but we'll move on. Um, I want to talk just briefly about New Jersey since I spent so much time recapping most of the season. And now we're basically wrapping up, um, controversial opinion here. You're not going to like it. I'm team Melissa, Melissa, but let me just say it's like a, like a 65 Melissa, 35 Teresa situation. And I'm just going to like lump in the men here. It's like Melissa Joe and then Teresa Louie. Louie, what the fuck happened that finale where he's sicking or threatening Bo Deedle on people who is like, uh, not really a, uh, a man that I would want to align with, you know, just it's, if y'all didn't watch it at some point louis goes into such a uh i mean my god can we get a a skin cancer screening can we have 
I wasn't even going to talk about this, but can we have like a crossover with married to medicine? And I know none of them do skin cancer, but like maybe Phaedra's new husband or man does it. I don't know. But can we do like a crossover with the housewives in New Jersey in which we really get some like, let's scrape and, and discover what's happening under some, some microscopes here. Because I just feel like Joe Gorga, I feel like at some points I'm just watching the skin on his cheeks actively dissolve. <laughs> Louie, I'm like, I don't even know what color on the color spectrum half of these people are. And I can't even imagine what they might look like in real life. It's just shocking. Shocking. Are we still going under tanning beds in 2022? 2023 like I know some some of the girls get in there occasionally but I feel like Louie's in there like Snooky back in 2003 and it's just it's concerning but also like the most concerning thing is just like everything else about Louie the man is weird and I just don't like what he's doing he's playing a game to me to me it's like he he tries to be oh I want to get the family together but then he will also talk mad shit which is not something that I will say that the other side isn't also guilty of, but it's just, he just is like deeply upset, unsettling, upsetting. I don't know. And then he was on Watch What Happens Live because Teresa was on there and he was like, oh, the whole Bo, Bo Deedle thing is actually a joke. You know, I was just like frustrated and I was at the end of the rope, end of my rope. And so that's why I have said that, but that's not actually true. To which Andy was like, okay, that's like quite a thing to just come up with out of thin air. Like it weird. Um, and then Louie's like, yeah, you know, isn't it? <laughs> Do you guys know that like Louie has pretended to be the founder of Rue La La? Y'all know that, right? Check out the video. In the video, he's like trying to pretend like his last name, Ruless, is like the, you know, the why he named it Rue La La. Like, bitch, first of all, that's not even your company. It's weird to even suggest that. That's like me saying I own, like, fruit or something. Like, weird. Stop it. And with that, before we get into our Selling Sunset recap, I want to just issue our Girl of the Week to none other than Aniko Bollock. Okay? She, if you guys don't know, is the daughter of Darcy Silva of 90 Day Fiance, of Darcy and Stacy, of House of Eleven, <laughs> of um, Turkish surgical procedure fame, all of those things, my queen and yours. So I was just minding my own business, truly, just scrolling through TikTok as I do, just like, you know, just I had some time, right? And then if TikTok has a uh, stories, like an Instagram stories. So you can just post, you know, 24 hour posts, right? So in that, I just have to scroll and see Aniko saying um, that she was watching the Vanderpump Rules finale and that her mama was just casually like, oh, I hooked up with Tom Sandoval 10 years ago. Huh? Now, this would probably, I guess, would have been pre-Ariana, maybe during his entanglement, uh, sort of with uh, maybe his Dodie era. Um, so I <laughs> honestly, like, y'all really came for me because I posted that as if, like, 
I lied. I just posted the damn screenshot, okay? Okay? I, I you know, I try to keep my scandal gossip down to a minimum. Because there, there's a lot of speculation going down. And I just try to, like, keep it to the episode. Or just the, like, things that I know to be true. Um, so I try not to, like, inundate you guys. But I found this to be a very interesting little find of mine. Of mine. Mine that I found. I'll get into that. You know what? I'm actually not going to get into that. But... I just so if if somebody posted it, just know that I'm the one who found that. But anyway, um, I wouldn't be surprised at all. <laughs> I would not be surprised. Does it like change anything for me in terms of Tom Sandoval? No, he's already like poo poo head, poo poo head number one. So, but you know, it's an entertaining fact nonetheless. Just the visual of like a. 2013 possibly 2012 shaving his forehead tom sandoval hooking up with uh yeah any version of darcy silva is iconic frankly so <sighs> shout out to all of us you're actually not gonna get the girl of a week you're gonna get the can i get a hell yeah shout out to you sis thank you anyway let's talk about uh something sunset all right, so it turns out I was only half lying. I am going to be talking about Selling Sunset, but I'm only going to be talking about the first six episodes, and then at some point this week, I'll fit in the last half. But as of now, I'm having fun. I love this show, and I can't really articulate why. I think the first thing that comes to mind is that it's completely inconsequential this is not my world it's very low stakes it's like real estate it's pretty houses prettier women tiny little men and they're fighting but it's like I really don't care you know like I have opinions but none of this matters and that's why I love the show so we start off a lot of things have changed. Our girl, Chriselle, our Lauren Conrad of Selling Sunset, is officially with G-Flip. She broke up with Jason. They, you know, couldn't connect on whether or not they wanted to have kids. So Jason's also in a relationship with a very tall, seemingly French 24-year-old named Mary Lou. And that's certainly a choice, isn't it? In the very beginning, we find out that things are kind of rocky between Chriselle and Mary, former BFFs, because they haven't really spoken because Chriselle thinks that Mary took Jason's side after the breakup in terms of like wanting to make sure he's okay and whatever. But Chriselle tells us at some point, like, I was hurting too. And... Mary wants to try to seem like, oh, I just dove into a new relationship, but that little tiny man was out here hoeing and showing pretty quickly, and he can act like, oh, I was so devastated over this relationship, but then he had, you know, just a merry-go-round worth of 20-year-olds going in and and out of his penthouse. So, you know, what's what's the deal here, right? Um, Because of that, Kershell has sort of stayed away from the O group. Things are awkward with Jason. Things are awkward with Mary. So she's just in like the studio dropping beats with G flip and pretending to play drums and doing like, uh, you know, like sexy 
I honestly don't know, but they seem to be having a lot of fun. Um, what else? Davina. They still let Davina be there. Obviously, Christine Quinn has left. She let, made a lot of claims, burned a lot of bridges in between the seasons. And so, uh, well, it's a wrap for you, baby. Uh, the fashion categories. Let's in, get into that real quick. Category is <clears throat> random braid. One or two anywhere on your head doesn't matter oversized blazers bustiers random gloves are they leather are they latex yes the answer would be both uh newcomer nicole's aggressive butterfly on her arm working up a theory about people with butterfly tattoos but actually my sister has one so maybe i should walk that back anyway um then we have our like new star, our new girl, our new brand new bitch in Brie Teasy. Former wife of Johnny Manziel. I think there's some drama there. I don't do football, but I've seen some headlines. He seems like a disaster. And also Nick Cannon's fourth, 18th baby mama. I don't know. She gave birth to legendary love and she's the new lady at the O group. She has this kind of voice that I think is the new vocal fry. It's this like pills, <laughs> like pills. And, uh, my, my, my voice, my volume never goes above like a four, but it's like forceful and also like very gentle, but it also seems like she just doesn't speak very loud. It's, it's a very interesting voice. Is there a term for that? I'd like to know. It's like Instagram voice. So I have like several questions about Brie Teasy because I don't, she's just not like part of the universe of people that I pay attention to. First of all, uh, why are you trying to trick us into thinking that you're black, man? Why are you doing that? I'm seeing a lot of textured hair. I'm seeing the illusion of baby hair at the crown of her head. Um, she's trying and I'm not buying. Okay. I did one very quick Google and her mom is Italian and I don't think you know, this is not like a Dolores in New Jersey situation. I don't think so. This is like uh, Kylie Jenner's friend Stassi situation. So I see right through it and I will not abide. Um, also, she says at the top of episode one that she is six weeks postpartum. And I'm just going to need Canon Industries or whatever his LLC is to come up with better maternity leave like what kind of package is this my guy terrible you can't even get 12 weeks awful speaking of things that really gave me pause at one point heather who is pregnant uh makes note of her needing to get a heads up on what they're going to be wearing to events because she can no longer wear a double zero or a 23 anymore and honestly i like i think i went deaf for the rest of episode one. So who's to say what happened? Oh, um, there's a opening, like a broker party. Chelsea Lishkani brings some of Bree's old, uh, co-workers from some of her modeling days. Modeling. Maybe we are modeling on a yacht. I don't know. Chelsea says that one of those girls comes from a billionaire family. And so she brings her and the other girl 
to kind of trip Brie up, which is exactly what Brie thinks. And so she feels some type of way about that, but we'll put a pin in that for a second. My other critique, and again, I'm only in the first half. I'm going to need bigger stars. Where is Simu Liu? I need better than like Harry Styles owned this house three owners ago, or this is a house where sometimes Candace Parker or LeBron James play basketball in the indoor gym. I don't care. <laughs> this is, this is owned by some Australian basketball player. First of all, I didn't even know you guys played basketball in Australia. Y'all got money like that? Y'all got basketball money like that? And I, I didn't, we even never even met this guy. I, I don't care, you know? Much like Breeze Blackfishing, I feel like they're trying to chick us because the word of the day or the word of the season, like it used to be like uh, in escrow or something like that, billionaire. Everybody's got a billionaire in their client list and like everybody's just throwing out, I have a billionaire. No, I have this billionaire. No, I have this billionaire client. I don't care because we never see them and I don't know them. And we did see Pooh Bear, who is like a very legendary music producer. He works a lot with Justin Bieber. Um, He even showed us the piano that they created Yummy on. That's history, baby. Um, But other than that, like, you know, okay. So then we meet Nicole. Nicole, who we find out who's been working for the O Group for eight years now. She claims to be one of their top sellers. We have not met her, I'm assuming, because her hair is a little too dark. It's veering a little too into the red, honey blonde category. They couldn't take it. They already had one in Chriselle, and that was too much. You only get one. Apparently, she feels some type of way about Chriselle because years ago, Jason put her on a listing with Nicole. Nicole says Chriselle didn't do any work. She didn't show up to any of the housewarmings. She did all the legwork and that she's actually the queen of the valley and not Chriselle. Nicole, is this all you got? Then she says, she tells somebody that when she tried to approach Jason about putting, having Chriselle be on her listings, He threatened to fire her if she didn't keep her mouth shut. Now, this is a lot of uh, pretty damaging claims that you're making in like episode one or two, Nicole. I think we've already bitten off more than we can chew. And I was right about that. Nicole is a weirdo. Desperate. Thirsty. Ooh, it's like if you gathered... Vicky Gunvalson in her most desperate time. Like, think of a freshly single Vicky Gunvalson. And then I'm going to add, you know, Faye Resnick onto that. And then I'm going to add, um, who's the chick from Dallas who wore, who was real heavy on the, on the blush and then was like real defamatory towards Mexicans later on. Her. Leanne. Um, and then, Ooh, Oh, you know who from Atlanta, that girl, what is her name? Yavana. She was like, Oh, I'm that bitch from Clark. All those powers combined. We get Nicole just so sadly loud, wrong, desperate and embarrassing. So there's beef, like I said, between Chelsea and Brie and I, 
hate that Chelsea put me in this position where I have to be on Bree's side. So Chelsea's bringing these two random chicks from Bree's past to a broker's open. These chicks don't have real estate license. They're not in the world. Why are you bringing them there? So Bree, at their uh, meeting for the Oppenheim group, says, Hey, Chelsea. Uh, why did you bring my old model friend to this burger party? And Chelsea feels some type of way that she got called out in public. I mean, you brought these people to a work event to rattle her, but you feel some type of way about being called out. So Chelsea tells Emma's empanadas that what had happened was Bree's right. She was being shady. She did her research because she felt like pissed off that Brie got to join the Oppenheim group without having to sell a home first like she did. And so instead of being mad at the people in charge, she decided to dig up information on Brie, found that she had some mutuals, were like, oh, I'm going to bring these girls to this party. And what what did she think was going to do? I, I honestly don't know. So for whatever reason, like I said, Chelsea's bad at Brie. And it's like, why couldn't she bring this up in private? It's really unprofessional to bring it up in a public setting. But again, you brought people who weren't in the real estate industry to a professional event to piss somebody off. Somebody that you didn't even know. That's really some audacity, Chelsea. Don't make me be on Brie's side. So at some point, the topic of Bree's relationship comes up or whatever the hell she's doing with Nick Cannon. And she's like, well, I'm in an open, but like, like, it's not open, but it's an open relationship. And when Nick is not filming, she sees him every morning, every night. But Chelsea is like, how is that possible? (laughs) Seems like he's got a lot going on. And I'm not even talking about his career. He's driving to you at like, what, six o'clock? six in the morning then he's got like an eight o'clock and then you have to factor in LA traffic and then he's on a number three by like 2 p.m. How is he back in time for you? Fair question but Chelsea come on. So then Bree says that she's not really a monogamous girl. It's not for her. She's seen relationships break up. It's just not something she's willing to commit to. Chelsea says in a confessional that she feels like if you can't be loyal to a man, then you can't be loyal to a friend. Which, like, girl. <laughs> the one thing that I will say about these, uh, of canons, <laughs> however many dozens we end up having when it's all said and done, you can't look at the situation and be like, the women are the one who are not committing themselves. It's Nick. Nick's the one is is not to be trusted. He's the one. He's the one who can't be loyal. (laughs) They're tying themselves to him for life with these children. He's the one, again, running around the greater Los Angeles area, as you said, trying to get it all together. Now, I just saw an article on page six in which he said that he is with Onyx, his eight-month child that he has with a lady that we find out about later. Uh, So he sees his kid three times a day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, all day long. So, Brie, already we know that theory is incorrect. Now, quiet is kept. Nick is also in the doghouse with uh, uh, Onyx's mother because 
he, during a Howard's turn interview, was asked to name all of his children and forgot Onyx. So maybe he might be in the doghouse with her at this point. <laughs> maybe this is a temporary three-day-a-week situation. But he even said he's got a, a nursery in his office set up for the kid. I feel like you got, like, hella infants at this point. Why only her? I would be so mad if I were one of those other mothers, but I also would never be one of those other mamas. So after that, they have another event in which Nicole decides that this is her moment, that she's going to try to confront Chriselle about taking credit for the listings that she actually sold herself. So Chriselle tries to explain to her, I'm sorry, first of all, are you talking about listings from three years ago that we haven't discussed since then? We are? Oh, Okay. Secondly, Chriselle tells her, Jason brought both of us on. I was overwhelmed during that time. Ultimately, like, I didn't, she's, I think she admits, like, I didn't really put as much effort into those listings. But here's the most important thing. Chriselle says, I did not take a dollar from any of those listings. Nicole, what are you upset about? (laughs) What are you mad about? I could understand if you felt like, oh, I'm on a co-listing with people who aren't doing shit and they're also taking an equal cut, but she didn't take anything. So what are you mad about? Is it the principle of like her being on a listing with you three years ago? Nobody gives a shit. Like, first of all, there are no principles in real estate. There are no principles at the O Group. There are no principles on Netflix. (laughs) There are no principles on setting, selling sunset, girl. This is your problem. This actually is not something that you need to be mad at Chrishell for. Now, she's trying to, like, drop hints that uh, Jason felt some type of way about Chrishell. Like, he had feelings for her at the time, and that's why he was doing it. Also, it's worth mentioning that uh, Nicole also dated Jason, like, 14 years ago, before Mary... Before Chrishell, before whoever the hell else. And so she's like, I'm the OG, the original girlfriend. The things that she is like taking, like wants to be territorial about are so weird and inconsequential. Like, why would you care that three years ago your name was next to somebody else on a yard sign? Nobody's going to remember that. And you got all the money from it. So who gives a shit? (laughs) So Nicole tries to like make a stand in the name of her professionalism. Now granted, she's coming after this girl three years after the fact about something that she had no power to do. And so Chrishell rightfully is like, why are you bringing up old shit? And bring it up in the office now. So Nicole tells Chrishell that she... As a victim mentality. <laughs> and Chriselle rightfully calls her a bitch. <laughs> a few times. And she ate that. I, I really love Chriselle because every time I forget that she, when backed into a corner, is like, actually, I'm not doing this shit with you. And I will go toe-to-toe. Watch me. That girl was born in a gas station. You think she gives a fuck? Absolutely not. I don't really know the science behind it. Maybe I'll ask Sheena. You know, she's like a woman in STEM. But uh, I feel like if your very first 
scents that you smelled in like your entire life were like gasoline and Gatorade. I just feel like that sets you down on a path where you just like don't let a bitch talk to you any kind of way. I, I could be wrong, but. Later, the girls have a birthday dinner for Heather in which Chelsea says that Mary needs to be better at navigating the fights that happen because Jason whisked uh, Mary Lou, Mary Lou who off on a three week vacation and put Mary in charge. Chelsea feels like Mary isn't uh, strong enough to be a manager and she keeps repeatedly calling her out over this. Chelsea, he's only going to be gone for three weeks. This isn't like a torch, like, oh, well, I'll do it. You realize that Jason is the owner and his name's on it. And it's not like you're going to just like have a coup and be like, I'm the captain now. (laughs) He's going to come back from vacation. This is just like, you know, like a figurehead. Watch the kids while I'm gone, while I go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? (laughs) Later, Nicole is able to film a scene with Mary Trying to squeal on Chriselle, being like, after I left, after I had that conversation, Chriselle, I was getting phone calls from my friends saying that Chriselle was talking shit about me on Instagram story. And then I'm getting text messages and emails and phone calls from Chriselle at three, four o'clock in the morning that night. I can't believe it. This is crazy. Did this actually happen? I hope we actually come to see whether or not this actually happened. I, I'm going to need a full circle moment on this. But um, Mary's like sticking up for Chriselle as she should because Nicole has nothing. This is so stupid. <laughs> and this is why I love the show. We're arguing heavy about things that don't matter at all. So Mary's like... We need to have peace, okay? Peace. Peace with the O group. I personally don't think that Chriselle has a victim mentality, but I need you guys to just, like, pause. We're going to handle it when Jason gets back. Leave me alone, Nicole. Then Nicole claims that she's respectful, but it's hard to watch me. This is me. It's hard to watch somebody be such a loser, (laughs) In an acid wash, like, onesie, like, a short onesie. It's hard. At the end of episode four, Chelsea says that she was with Brie. And she's telling the girls at the offices. She was hanging out with Brie at some point when Brie holds up her phone and shows her the announcement that Nick Cannon has sired yet another child. Seems like Brie didn't know about that. So Chelsea makes some good points about, you know, once another baby's brought into a picture, it's going to take away from all the other children, the time, the, you know, attention, all of that. And how, you know, like, if you're going to be in an open relationship, there needs to be communication. You can't just be like reading Variety or Twitter or, uh, you know, the shade room and finding out that the man you just had a kid with is having another kid with somebody else. But then Chelsea loses me when she says that, like, ultimately she doesn't feel like she could ever be close or have a friendship with Brie because she's a Christian and their values just don't align with each other. What? 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Okay, Chelsea, like, eventually your man's going to cheat on you, and then, never mind. (laughs) I just feel like we all know y'all are headed right for divorce court. I feel like her relationship's just hanging on by a string, and and she's going to fuck around and find out. Like... You're a Christian. Okay. So you're allowed to not be friends with people because what? Because she had a baby? <laughs> like, you hear yourself? <laughs> like, it would make a lot more sense if you were just like, yeah, Bree's real goofy to have a kid with this dude. And so I don't want to be friends with her because of that. <laughs> that would almost make more sense than being like, I'm a Christian. These are my, these don't align with my Christian values. Okay. And, like, I've moved past the clothing, but, I mean, if we're going to talk about things, does Jesus want you to show up to a, a showing in a silver <laughs> dress that barely covers your vagina lips? Probably not. If we're going to talk about it, uh, you know, let's talk about it. Anyway, Nicole and Chelsea decide to get together to talk about how you know, Nicole feels like Mary wasn't prepared to take on this role. But again, Jason literally comes back the next episode. So who gives a shit? It's over. Conversation over. Jason ends up getting upset because Emma's empanadas tells him that the listing that they got for DJ, that DJ Zed's $22 million home, they dropped it because they felt like they weren't paying enough attention to it. Oh no. Oh no. Also, Romaine, Mary's husband, is now, like, part of the O group and the construction side, but Jason's got some project. I don't know. There's some issue with the windows bleaching the the wood floors. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. At the end of episode six, Mary decides to take things in her own hands because she's now feeling like Jason's kind of leaving her high and dry. He's not really doing the job that she feels like he's should be doing so she's going to navigate this relationship between Chriselle and Nicole so they can hash their shit out the way Nicole tries to completely rewrite history by being like honestly Chriselle over anything else I was just completely taken aback by your response because we could have had a normal conversation but like the first thing you did was call me a fucking bitch that's the first thing that came out of your mouth Ma'am, that's, baby, you know you're on a television show, right? We're at season six at this point. 
You know we're all going to see the conversation. Okay. So Chrishell breaks it proper down just like, okay, you didn't even approach me about what exactly you're mad about. On top of that, I have now seen you in the three years since you're talking about this listing socially, uh, at work. We've done business deals since then. There were a bunch of other times where you could have brought this to me. So then Mary has to be like, oh yeah, Chriselle's name has been on the listing, right? That's what you would see if you looked it up. So it is what it is. I don't know what to tell you. And then Nicole has to pivot and be like, well, forget I even brought it up because that's like not where I'm trying to go. No, (laughs) no, no, no. We're not doing that, ma'am. We are not doing that. Nicole tries to say that her actual point is that she thinks Jason put Chriselle on the listing because he had a crush on her. And Chriselle also is like, I don't love what you're implying here because you're talking about the time that I was still married. I don't love where this is going and you better back it up. You better back it up real quick, girl. So Nicole tries to be like, oh, well, that's actually not what I'm saying either. Like, I'm not suggesting that. And gosh, Chriselle, you're really taking this personally. Girl, (laughs) you have called her uh, lazy, takes advantage. You said she's taking advantage of Jason having feelings for her. She's taking advantage of being on the listing. She's somehow ruining your credibility or it's a principle of whatever the fuck. And then she tries to be so condescending towards Chriselle. Like, oh my god, do you think that we're friends? We're actually like not friends. And we never have been. Like, You thought that. Oh my god, have you... She really says, have you been telling people that we're friends? Nicole says this to Chriselle. And Chriselle goes, Yeah, I invited you to my friend's giving. And you came. (laughs) So I kind of did think we were friends. And Mary's like, yeah, I mean, I know. Chriselle just doesn't let anybody in her house. If she invited you to the friend's giving, that was on some real shit. Also, like, what are you trying to make her look like a loser now? Like, oh, we were never really friends. That has nothing to do with anything that you just said. It has nothing to do with whether or not Jason put her on a listing or whatever work obligations. She's trying to move the goalpost in the weirdest, laughable, most embarrassing ways. And it's like, oh, I'm glad that she has been like this this whole time. I'm embarrassed for her. I'm just glad, like, I never had to, like, be on her side to also be embarrassed for me. You know what I mean? Because, oh, thank you, Nicole. Because this is, like, truly, truly loser behavior. So, Chriselle's like, all right, bet. We're not friends? Got it. Wish I had known that before. But you know what? Now we are very clear. Very clear. Nicole, at this point, tries to accuse Chriselle of lashing out. And Chriselle's like, I'll do whatever the shit I want, okay? If you don't like it, that's your problem. And that's how you check a bitch, okay? In seven inch heels. We'll get into part two at some point later this week. Check the episode description. And uh, yeah, let's move on to Atlanta. Okay. Um, Candy, what's going on with Blaze? Because we were at Blaze two days before. Before what happened? Um, there was like an incident. What it was incident? like all over the news. They're fine. You talking about the shooting that happened at Blaze? It was 
a private matter. Okay, I'm going to go home, you guys, because no. as I say, Candy Birds never can talk about what she wants, oh, really? so y'all okay, stop talking about Okay, let's talk stuff. about when you cut okay. the girl in the face then. Okay, let's talk really? about She was over 23 years ago. Everyone loves to bring up things with my past. My mug shots, allegedly me dating old white men, my mom, the boys. But when it comes to candy, they get that broom, the little Swiffer, and they just sweep it right up underneath the rug. All right, you guys, let's get into The Real Housewives of Atlanta. It's going to be like a more general recap because I kind of had a feeling that this episode was going to be like, not, eh, but like more establishing. And I was right about that. But before we get into the episode, they, Bravo, released the taglines this week. And I would really love to know, like, what's the thought behind the uh, the, the tension of leaving these taglines until like episode two or three because first of all they're not that great <laughs> and I, and secondly like i don't think we care that much to be like oh, what are the taglines please like we're all waiting with bated breath i don't think that maybe there are people that are but anyway we'll get into what they are uh starting off with my girl candy my roots are in atlanta but my branches are worldwide <laughs> I'm going to give her 6.5 on that. Let's move on to Drew. Forget the gaslight. I'm taking the spotlight. And, you know, given what we saw this episode, I'm going to have to give that a uh, three. Three. For the total seconds she was on stage. Uh, moving on to Marlo Hampton, we have my past may be checkered, but my future is solid gold. I, five. I'll give that a five. Kenya, I just don't, I just don't do it for the culture, honey. I am the culture. Um, I'm going to give that one a seven. Do I think that that's true, <laughs> Kenya? No, but it's strong. <laughs> and, uh, well, here we go. Sheree, she by Sheree, more like she broke the internet. <laughs> I feel like she doesn't understand what that means. I was talking to Giselle about this on Twitter. Giselle of Who Asked Me. And... She posited the question is, do you think that like, she thinks of that as a good thing, I believe was the question. And I said to answer that we have to be working under the assumption that Sheree knows what the phrase broke the internet means. And I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. But anyway, we'll end up with uh, Sanya Richards Ross. If you can't keep the pace, stay out of my race. Um, I feel like we could have, we could have had that last season. So for that, I'm going to give it a five. All in all, not loving them. <laughs> Much stronger we've had before, but that's okay. That's okay. Moving on with the episode. Sheree has Sanya and Marlo over for a meal. A meal that I can't place because there were so many things going on. We had, it looked like a brunch. So we had like French toast and eggs, but then there was a whole buffet tray of spinach, cooked spinach, and then shrimp, salmon, lobster tails, potatoes, like breakfast potatoes. It, it was just a lot. It just seemed like a lot. Like, am I having salmon and French toast for bre for breakfast? No, no, thank you. Again, black people, find another fish. Can we move to a trout? A cod, uh, something. I I know, as a people, we love salmon, 
We love doing all the things that we can do, but I think we may have exhausted the options. I think we're done. Let's just expand. I want us to all, you know, just just expand our minds. We're all, all I'm going to say about that. So the girls are back from BravoCon and I love that we're talking about BravoCon. I love that we're not like, oh, what happened in New York? Like, we're just getting like a a little bit of us breaking a fourth wall here and acknowledging, hey, uh, we're not just like moms and businesswomen. We're actually like part of this network and I appreciate it. So they're all like, oh my God, this was, it was so positive. It was amazing. Except for Mama Joyce. Sheree says that she's shocked that at this point, Mama Joyce is still talking about Todd. Yeah, you and the rest of the world. And Marlo says that Candy basically needs to stop talking about her and start fixing what's under your roof because the streets are talking and the streets are your mama. And then Sanya says that she's officially over Drew Sedora because Drew made a comment at one point on the stage about how Oh, did I give you a hard time last season? Or were you trying to pull a hard time out of me? And she's mad because at the reunion, Drew uh, flipped her hair in her face and then texted her some like sweet text message at the at, after the fact. Like, oh, let's get together or whatever. But then she went back on stage and did that. So it feels like saying this kind of accusing uh, Drew of like being fake, being kind of a flip-flopper. She never knows what she's getting from her, etc. Marla's like, yeah. And also Drew looked like Michael Jackson. Because why does she only have one glove on? <laughs> Fair question. Sheree tells them about Kenya and the conversation that she had with Martel at the She by Sheree uh, warehouse. And Sheree says in a confessional, I need my friends to respect Martel because he's kind, he's funny, he's got none of the arrogance or cockiness that I've seen on his show. Because if I had, I wouldn't be attracted to that person. Well, that's something we gotta unpack, Sheree. Like, why is he so horrible on TV, but so nice to you? Much like Katie was telling Ariana, I just find it very hard to believe that somebody could be so horrible to other people and so great to, you know, other people. You know? Something to think about. Anyway, uh, Marlo says, girl, I was not feeling Martel either, but he's really put in the work. To which, like, I don't know if, like, Marlo would be... Like, if Marlo is my greatest champion of my relationship, I just, you know what I mean? (laughs) I might have to take some time to reflect on that. But Sheree then is like, yeah, I know. Like, he picked me up from the airport. I got a car car service, like, after BravoCon, but he picked me up. And I'm like, yeah, he probably also called, like, TMZ or whatever uh, paparazzi connection that he has in Atlanta to be like, oh, look at me picking her up from BravoCon. Sheree, why didn't we think about that? Like... Yeah, obviously. Why did he pick you up from the airport? He lives in Alabama. Probably hoping that he would get photographed. But anyway, next scene we have Drew and Ralph go indoor rock climbing because they're trying to keep their relationship in a good place since they were uh, rocky last year. To put it least, what happened to that book? What happened to Ralph's book about how great of a step parent he is to Drew's uh, son that he didn't even tell her the book about until after he was like, 
<laughs> basically well on the way into the writing process. What happened to that book? Anything? Any movement? No? Okay. You dropped it like true, huh? And what happened to drop it like true? <laughs> we dropped both of those. Okay. So anyway, they're going rock climbing. I, okay. Um, You know, they're talking about how Drew's going to go from like an actual actual stay-at-home housewife to her potential singing career and Ralph is like yeah I mean I'm fine with that that was always the plan and now we're gonna be like I can Tina and Drew has to stare at him like out of all the people I thought maybe we would be Beyonce and Jay-Z but I can Tina it's well like maybe we need to uh unpack that a lot of things that we need to unpack this episode. A lot of truths that people are telling out of their mouths and not even realizing it. So, yikes. So speaking of them being in the studio, Drew brings up the fact that that horny marriage anthem of theirs, you already know, has like 34,000 streams. And Ralph is like, oh, that's really bad. <laughs> like, it's excellent for how we did it with the rollout. But like, there's been no marketing, no campaign outside of that. And so Drew says, well, I'm glad you mentioned that because it was kind of like you just put the song out and then you went back to your regular job. So I feel like we need to push it more. And then Ralph says, well, I feel like we need to focus on the other things that we have going on. So Drew in a confessional has to try to act like she's not disappointed about her husband and her marriage once again by saying that music was the thing that initially connected them. And it now kind of seems like he wants to back out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants to back all the way out. And probably back to Tampa. <laughs> Whatever was there for him. Anyway, then we have Kenya hard at work, screaming at people about pictures and why they didn't get them correctly. I don't know. Business, businesswoman, Kenya Moore Hair Care. She calls Moneta to ask her, are you going to help me or can you help me with this uh performance I'm going to do. She's going to be performing at the Magic City Classic, which is a, God, is there like a equivalent to that in white people? I don't, I don't think so. But basically like it's, you know, HBCUs, historically black colleges and institutions, uh, or universities rather, um, uh, you know, they'll come together. There's a football game, but you know, people are really there for the band. They want to see the bands. They, these are like huge operations. These bands they are taken very seriously. They'll play current music. And it's not just like your, you know, whack college football band. That's just like, Oh, here we are in a line and marching and doing trumpet. No, this is like real. There's choreo, there's dancers. And it's just like a big, big cultural vibe. It's just a, it's just a vibe. So they asked Kenya to do her performance and she's, you know, channeling her best Keonce. <laughs> the saga continues with her convincing us that she has any connection to one Beyonce Giselle knows Carter, but uh, she's going to be doing a homecoming style performance with the band, doing Kenya Moore hair care, probably all in purple, I assume. God bless. Then we go down to the candy factory. Candy and Don Juan, they're talking about BravoCon. Don Juan is shook, okay? We see clips from BravoCon talking about the things that pissed Candy off. Well, first of them being, she's on a panel with her and Mama Joyce, and Andy asks Candy, who would you trust more with your money, Don Juan 
or Mama Joyce? And Candy responds, well, I don't know that my mom would be that fair to Todd, so probably Don Juan. So the next day, Mama Joyce is on stage at the Schwartz and Sandys panel, by the way. <laughs> and somebody asks her, like, oh, what would you want in a man for for Candy? And she's like, oh, you know, like, you know, probably somebody that has a job. And this is where we have to say, like, Candy, you have to, at this point, you have to say something to your mother. Lift up that mushroom wig of hers and say, listen, you cannot. Candy told us, or she tells Don Juan, she left after Mama Joyce said that, and she has not spoken to her mother since. And the thing that really upset her was that Todd found out through his daughter, Kayla, who sent him a video. Obviously, she saw it online. And we see a clip where she's talking to Todd about this over FaceTime. And Candy's like, yeah, you know, uh, uh, Riley sent it to me too. And, you know, it's upsetting. And he's upset about it. He's feeling some type of way, like, how much longer... Am I supposed to take this? Like, I'm over it. And then Candy says in a confessional that the thing that really gets her is that Mama Joyce doesn't seem to understand that at some point, Blaze and Ace are going to, uh, you know, grow up and they're going to see this. Their grandma talking cash shit about their daddy. And that's really going to be a problem. And basically, at this point, Mama Joyce needs to respect her marriage. And it's as simple as that. But are you going to tell her that? Are you going to tell her that or are you just going to tell Don Juan down here at the candy factory? They need to have a conversation. And I got to tell you what, in my opinion, if the kids being born weren't going to change Mama Joyce, I don't think Mama Joyce gives a shit. I personally have felt like since Candy's wedding, she has felt like any child that has to do with Todd is lesser than Riley. She treated Kayla horrifically during Candy's wedding special. Horrible. Talking about like telling Riley about, oh, you're my granddaughter. Like just really leaving Kayla out. Like Kayla at this point was maybe 15. You don't need to hear some elderly lady talking about how like you're not really her granddaughter. Like that's fucked up. And honestly, I've been thinking that like, Probably Mama Joyce thinks as Ace and Blaze is like lesser than because they're Todd's kids. And that's so fucked up. It's beyond fucked up. But that's how she treats them. And which is what I'm saying. Like if she's, if it's not clicking with her now, like, oh, I love these little kids. Let me stop talking about their daddy. I don't think, I think there's something deeper to that. Then we get to some more family mess when Drew and Ralph decide to invite Cousin Courtney over for dinner. <laughs> Cousin Courtney feels like a like a jump the shark character. Like when they bring in a, a child in a sitcom. It just feels like, oh yeah, let's bring in Cousin Courtney. That, that's good. Disaster. So Candace, Candace Dillard Bassett of Real Housewives of Potomac ends up calling Drew while they're at the house. Hey, um... I'm going to be down to the city winery pretty soon. I'm going to be doing a concert. Initially, I had asked Shamari, Shamari DeVoe, a few years ago to do the performance with me, but she can't. So what about you, girl? <laughs> and Drew was acting like, <sighs> no shade to Candace. 
But, like, she's truly acting like Beyonce herself was like, get on stage, girl. You're going to be opening for me. So then Courtney brings over her baby daddy. They have a 24-year-old daughter. They were, like, on and off for a couple decades. But now they're just, like, you know, live, laugh, love, great co-parents, right? As soon as they open the door, Drew's like, oh, I know you. You know me. We know each other. So Courtney's baby daddy is a man named Bryce. Bryce is from a group in the 90s called Groove Theory. Now, he's not the singer of that. It's Amel LaRue. But he was in the band and they did that song called Tell Me. Like, tell me if you want me to give you all my time. Yeah, that song from the 90s. Great song. Groove Theory. Check it out. It's called Tell Me. So anyway, it turns out that Drew and Bryce were in a movie about a decade ago. I seems like it was maybe straight to straight to DVD, straight to the movie, to the bin, the dollar movie bin (laughs) at your grocery store. But, you know, a check's a check. okay? a check is a check. So they're all getting along and they're kicking it in the house. Like, you know, whatever. For whatever reason, Drew decides that in this moment, she needs to call Candy right now while she's entertaining guests and whatever that she needs to call FaceTime Candy and tell her about this performance with Candace, right? So (laughs) keep in mind, Drew is not at the party where Candy was yelling, I'm going to hit but you bitch. But I find it very hard to believe that Drew would have not heard about this, right? So she's like, oh, Candy, I'm just at home, girl. Um, Oh, here's Courtney, by the way. Courtney had also, before, like, Drew tells her, I'm going to call Candy. And Courtney's like, okay, I'm going to go in the other room. So Drew is, like, following and like, oh, look, here's Courtney in the other room. And Candy's like, why are you calling me? (laughs) What is this for? So Drew then tries to be like, what? What's going on? Like, what did I miss? And Candy says in the confessional, girl, you know I don't like this lady. Why are you on my phone like this? But she tells her about Candace's show. Candy's like, okay, I'll be there. So we go to Candace's show. Everybody shows up. Candy's blanking Marlo. Hi. Not much. We're not having a conversation out of that. But Marlo says in a confessional, Candy hasn't really been speaking to her since the reunion, but she knows with Candy, it takes time. Maybe if she was a man, wouldn't take as much time or, you know, if she was a chicken wing, maybe it wouldn't take as much time either, but here we are. So Marlo gets up to go to the bathroom and Moneta is like, oh, I have an issue with Marlo too, because she tried to play me when we were in Jamaica, basically calling uh, Candy like, or Moneta Candy's like, representative if you will so fortunately and unfortunately marlo gets a little bit of a ally because courtney with her fedora tip to the side has decided to join i hope i hope we don't have to deal with courtney too much longer but we find out that uh sheree is not going to be in in attendance because as she says in the confessional I'm sorry to miss an opportunity to see our girl flop it like Drew, but I'm under the weather. (laughs) I guess we could not get the rights to any of uh, Candy Gal's songs because we just see a montage of her performing with her uh, 613 bust down wig, 40 inches blowing and that Beyonce greed fan. And God bless her for it. So then Drew comes out 
And they, they, listen, she did put her microphone up to her mouth and noises came out and they sounded good. Was that a song that they performed? Not really. It was more of a, a duop pop pop, uh, you know, like uh, divas live. We're just going to sing at each other like, oh, 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 oh. like it's just like not worth uh, telling everybody that you were going to do this, but it's okay. It's okay. We get the reaction of the other ladies because Drew is feeling, she is feeling pussy. Okay. She's feeling like off the stage. I could do this forever. Watch out, Candy. You're not going to be the only girl with a Grammy in this group. Like, oh, strength, right? Candy says in a confessional, um, I would not have invited people to come see me and that be the only thing I was doing. <laughs> and then Kenny goes, that was not a performance. I wanted a little bit more than a woo, woo, woo. To which, uh, <laughs> Marlo just goes, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> and then Sanya says, I'm not sure what that was, but what I do know is that I ran longer to clinch my 400 meter gold medal than Drew was on stage. And then they actually do show that Sanya was correct because she ran for 49.55 seconds and Drew was on stage for 43.25. <laughs> wow. So after the performance, all the ladies gather around backstage to kind of like hash that beef, squash that beef, right? Sandy starts off by telling Drew she's a little bit disappointed because she feels like they got to a good place and then Drew the actress comes out. She doesn't know what's going on. And so Drew's like, yeah, I mean, I noticed that you unfollowed me on Instagram and I think it was after you saw the merch that Ralph and I came out with, which leads me to a thing that I've said before, but we really got to talk about it. Housewives, we have to let a phrase get some legs before we run over to customink.com and place a bulk order on some hoodies. She invited me and then uninvited me. Who's going to wear that? Who wore, who, who's going to wear that hoodie? That says she invited me and then uninvited me on the back. And it says Drew Sedora on the corner in the front. Who's wearing that? <laughs> Let's really like let a breathe. Let us let us as an audience like the phrase and make it a thing. And at that point, you can make the merch. Let's create a market for you and then we'll buy into it. But I don't even barely remember she invited me and then uninvited me. It was such a nothing. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moon.
Moonpig.com I probably said more iconic things in the past 20 minutes than than that. I was supposed to put this whole episode on a hoodie? <laughs> Get out of here, Drew. Anyway, Drew says like, oh, Sanya, you coming here was actually an olive branch. But it seemed like Sanya was mad at you, not the other way around. So I'm not sure why Sanya would be extending the olive branch to you. But anyway, they hug and make up. That's all I care about. That That's it. We're good. Then we switch topics to Courtney and Candy. And Courtney's saying that Candy brought the ghetto people to this club, right? So Courtney's excuse was, first of all, I was born in the hood. And what I said was that ghetto people started to come, which is true. But I also doubled down on, you know, I love ghetto. And my family's in ghetto. I can show you pictures. (laughs) Courtney. Courtney. (laughs) I would have taken her up on that. Yeah, Courtney, pull out pictures of your ghetto family. Let's let's put them up in front of the camera. Point out which ones specifically you think are ghetto. Let's do that, Courtney. <laughs> Courtney keeps trying to do this like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. And I was actually talking about a positive thing, stupid. <laughs> so Kenya clocks it and is like, it just feels like you're trying to start things up again. Like you're trying to be like, no, I don't want to go there. But you keep like ugh, doing this nice, nasty shit that pisses people off. So Candy says, first of all, let's be clear. If people started coming, they should just be glad to have people that came to that venue to support them. I have a long range of friends long range and you should never look down on the places that you came from so courtney keeps yelling are you triggered you seem really triggered candy and candy says the only thing that's triggering me is you saying oh she doesn't know me but she brought the hood out she brought the ghetto out bottom line is i bring everybody out and i don't think the hood or the ghetto appreciated what you had to say thank you candy thank you kindly oh Somebody tried to call Candy out the other day. Oh, Jason Lee. Jason Lee, like, our version, our unfortunate, the version of Harvey Levin that the black community didn't ask for. (laughs) And yet here he is. Jason Lee um, did an interview with Marlo last week in which he said that Tamar Braxton told him that Candy wears... uh, counterfeit clothes like you know fake clothes fake labels and even marlo had to be like i don't know candy to do that but okay (laughs) like if marlo's not even going being willing to go there you know that's cap you know that's a fucking lie and i don't know why tamar keeps doing this with candy you you got the wrong one you got the wrong one and one day she's gonna figure that out and i hope that it's i'm live when it happens just a quick clip from uh, the other side of the stage. Chris is having a, Chris Bassett, Candace's husband, is filming a scene with Ralph. And Ralph is asking him, oh, you know, like on the tour bus, you guys getting on? You guys ever getting in? <laughs> and Chris is like, uh, there are like 10 other people on there. It gets kind of hard. It's a little difficult. <laughs> Ralph, shut up. So back to the ladies. Sanya says, all right, in the interest of airing things out because Courtney and Candy we're just not going to find a solution to that let's talk about why Monietta and Marlo have beef 
this was kind of nothing, but I think that it led to whatever the fuck happened at the rest of the episode. So we'll talk about it. Basically, when they were in Jamaica last season, there was a scene where Marlo is feeling left out because she left herself out by saying something stupid to Candy, I'm sure. I know. I can't remember specifically what it was, but they're at the pool. Like, Candy and the rest of the group are doing something else. Marlo's at the pool with one other person. I think she brought somebody. And then Moneta comes over. And Marlo makes some comment of, like, oh, did Candy, like, uh, let you off the leash or something? Like, oh, you're free to come talk to me. But then Marlo's like, yeah, well, I don't understand what the issue is. She basically tells on herself by being like, well, you said, Moneta, you said you were being a good friend to Candy Candy's your girl, but you didn't want to be in the middle of it. So as long as you respect her, we're all right. And Monietta says that's exactly what happened. So then Drew says, well, Candy, what's going on with Blaze? Because I was there like two days before there was an incident. And so Marlo's like, what are you talking about? And Drew says, well, it was all over the news. But she doesn't want to say it for whatever reason. And so Marlo goes, oh, are you talking about the shooting that took place? So Candy's like, well, they're fine. It was a private matter. And Marlo gets up and goes, I'm ready to go home. Because, you know, Candy Burris never has to talk about what she has going on. And Candy goes, okay, well, let's talk about how you cut the girl in the face then. (laughs) And I don't mean to laugh, but this is where I mean, like, if people say that Candy's boring or she needs to get off the show, but Candy's saying, let's talk about how you assaulted a woman and stabbed her in the face. We want to talk about things. With with effortless. Effortless. And I have to give it to Candy. Like, well, Candy probably shouldn't have brought that up. However, Marlo's getting upset that Candy can't talk about this, but this is also not Candy's situation to talk about. She didn't get shot. Her cousin got shot. And if this is an ongoing investigation and she doesn't want to mess it up by talking about it on camera, I don't think it's like fair to be like well I don't want to be here because Candy never has to talk about anything she never has to open up her jaw rooms yes she does she we see this all the time all the time Marlo says in a confessional that everybody loves to bring up stuff from her past her mugshots, uh her allegedly dating an old white man her mom the boys but when it comes to Candy they just get that little swiffer and sweep sweep it right under the rug so they end the scene <clears throat> Really no resolution. And then the screen says, 30 minutes after production wrapped. So Drew's telling Marlo, I brought it up because I was there two days before the shooting and I was genuinely concerned. Marlo seems to be upset with the fact that maybe Drew didn't call it a shooting and instead referred to it as an incident. And so Drew says, well, it was on the news. Like, I didn't really need to call it a shooting. We all knew what it was, right? But I don't understand what... She's upset about, does she feel like Drew is protecting Candy in a way by not saying it was a shooting? Maybe. So Marlo sits down in a chair and Courtney's like kind of in the periphery. So she's like, Courtney, you need to stay here. And basically like, I need a a witness that can confirm that when I'm talking to Drew in this moment, I'm sitting here, I'm being quiet. I'm not saying anything and I'm letting Drew speak right so drew says 
She wasn't trying to make a moment out of the situation because she's aware of what Marlo had gone through. She lost her nephew to gun violence and Drew herself has also lost members of her family to gun violence as well. Marlo says in a confessional that Drew can't say shooting because she lost people to gun violence, but she lost somebody to gun violence as well. And it's triggering to her. This is why I'm confused. Like, if it's triggering to you, then wouldn't it be better that she called it an incident instead of a shooting? So, like, soften the blow a little bit? I don't, I really don't, <laughs> I watched this a couple times now, and I'm really not sure exactly what Marlo's upset about. I really don't. So, Marlo says, if you feel like you're gonna, like, not gonna make a moment, but, and respecting it by calling it incident, and, like, you're gonna respect me the way that you respect her. I'm not trying to turn up. My nephew's dead and he used to work at her restaurant. So Marlo explains that when Drew brought up the shooting, she was thinking about her nephew um, in his chef's coat, like looking so proud. And, you know, we find out that this nephew died two years ago. He died in the summer of 2020. He briefly, or at some point worked at old lady gang but this incident took place between he and his roommate. They got into a fight at their apartment and the guy murdered him. So, uh, we see some text messages in which Marlo's explaining, she's telling Candy what happened to her nephew. So she says, Candy Yams, do you have a guy named Quentin McNeil working for you at Old Lady Gang? And Candy says, yes, but he doesn't work there anymore. And Marlo says, that was my nephew. He got killed last night. And Candy says, oh, really? Now, I think a lot of people were taking it, what Candy, when she said, oh, really? I, I think people were like, oh, that's like pretty fucked up. But I think what she's saying is like, oh, really? That was your nephew. Like, oh, like she's putting the two and two together. Like, oh, that was your nephew. Like she didn't know. Right. And so Marlo responds, his mom just said he worked there. Um, and then it just says like, he got killed last night by his roommate and Candy responds, damn, I'm sorry to hear about that. Now where Candy loses me is that Marlo says that she saw Candy the next day and Candy pretended like she didn't even know what she was talking about. And we actually do see unaired footage from two years ago, a scene between Marlo and Candy and Marlo says something about like, oh, she, I guess Candy and Todd had had an event and as she was leaving, her phone was blowing up with all these text messages and she gets on the phone with, uh, you know, the, her cousin or whatever. And she found out that her nephew died and Candy's just like, damn. <laughs> now that I do have questions about, like, that seemed like a very muted response. Even if she had not heard that information before, seems like damn might be a bigger response to uh, after I left your event, I found out my family member died. Kind of, kind of odd. I will say I will give Marlo a little bit of credit on that. So Marlo says again, no one makes candy talk about anything she doesn't want to, but people have allowed her to get away with it. But guess what? I'm calling you out, but she's fighting with drew. Candy's not there. So Marlo takes Drew's hand and puts it on her chest. And is like, can you feel my heart beating? Like my nephew died. And Drew turns around and is like, we're not doing that. Like, I'm not doing that with you, Marlo. And so Marlo just keeps saying, my nephew is dead. My nephew is dead. And then she yells as she goes out to the window, like right in Drew's face, 
my nephew's dead, bitch. And Drew's looking around like, what happened? Where am I? What's going on? She seems very confused. Now, I will say, you know, once Drew said her piece and Marlo was like, okay, can I speak? Drew's response was like, well, I'm done now. What more else is there to say? And so I think I really can't understand why, what, okay. I, I know that Candy set her off and I know that like maybe Drew's getting looped into this because she said incident instead of shooting. But I just, I, could somebody explain to me why Marlo's bad? Because I want to know. And I also feel like it's one of those situations where, like, Drew could have been way more sensitive to the conversation. And when you have somebody saying in your face, so, you know, this family member died, you can't really be like, well, I'm done talking about this, so I'm leaving. (laughs) I don't know. Obviously, we did not see the whole conversation, but it just seemed like Marlo was looking for empathy and she wasn't getting it. And so she popped off. And, but I think that people were not understanding why she wanted empathy because she approached this in such a confusing way and with multiple people. So it's really hard to tell like who exactly she's mad at and why. So anyway, y'all, thank you so much for listening. If you guys can give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. I'll be back later this week with part two of my thoughts on Selling Sunset, the remainder of season six. And